No, Mr. President-elect. Go, go ahead. Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you, not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking our news organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can you state... Mr. President-elect, can you state categorically... Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Can you give us a question? Can you, can you state can you state categorically you are fake news. sir can you state categorically that nobody no mr president elect that's not Go appropriate ahead. president obama is donald trump a madman or a messiah he's portrayed as both in the media, on Twitter, all of the social media. He is a very divisive figure and he's never out of the news. So what sort of man is he? Are we fair to him? Is he really as mistreated as he claims? Is he going to last four years? These are the questions that should be asked about Donald J. Trump. Currently, as of April 2017, 39% of people, the American people, approve of Donald Trump's presidency, with 54% stating that they disapprove. Uh, demographically, women, black and Hispanic voters, as well as the young, are most likely to disprove of John, Donald Trump's policies. There's also an educational divide within America. 71% of postgraduates disapprove, whereas those with high school education or less are split 48% disapprove to 44% approve. In terms of what sort of man he is, what sort of president he is, there's been a lot made about how He's too impulsive. How true that is can be up for debate. However, 63% of people, the American people, believe that he is too impulsive, 87% of which are Democrat voters. Only 36% of people believe that he can prevent major scandals within his administration. 36% of people believe he can prevent major scandals within his administration. Most striking of all, the most striking partisan difference is that Trump's policies have put, this is the question put to the American people, Trump's policies have put the US in a blank position internationally. Now in that blank you had the option of stronger or weaker. 70% of Republicans said that Trump's policies have put the US in a stronger position internationally, 70%. On the other hand, 73% of Democrats said that Trump's policies have put the US in a weaker position internationally. There's also a, a big difference in the focus um, of importance within policies. So Republicans tend to focus on things like terrorism, specifically ISIS, refugee problem, and China. The Democrats, on the other hand, focus on climate change, Russia, cyber attacks. Within those, 
there is a very big difference between what what the Democrats believe is important and what the Republicans think is important. Why then is there such a difference in opinion? Why then does Trump split the American public pretty much down the middle? Well, it's mostly, in my opinion, due to his America First policy. The idea of this, this nationalism, his belief that America needs to come above everything else, even if it's international politics, even if it's the, the future of the world even. So he focuses on job creation, trade deals, immigration, refugees, Russia, NATO, climate change, North Korea, all very divisive issues at which we put America at the centre of it. There are, of course, other domestic issues which are historically divisive in America, such as abortion, healthcare, gun control, crime. However, these aren't things that I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to go through a few of these factors, a few of these burning issues that are at the heart of Trump's presidency and, and discuss them. The first is job creation. Trump vows to spend $1 trillion in creating jobs. And his aim is to provide, to create 25 million jobs over 10 years. He's going to do this uh, through, in part, reducing corporation tax from 35% to 15%. And he also intends to reduce business regulations by 75%. The jobs will come predominantly in, he says, water, electricity, security, telecommunications, as well as public-private partnerships to improve roads, bridges, ports and pipelines. So big public works jobs. Sounds a little New Deal-esque to me. Now the benefits as far as I can see this are jobs, clearly, and actually Trump has just um, tweeted out yesterday, I believe, uh, according, yeah, according to Trump, there have been, since January, 41,000 manufacturing jobs created, 79,000 construction jobs, 209,000 education and health jobs. 230,000 professional and business related jobs. This is, as I said, according to President Trump. It would also lead to improved infrastructure, which is good for any country, particularly good for a country like America, where the infrastructure has historically been under invested in and is crumbling in, in some areas in particular. The final benefit of, of his job creation policies are that he really focuses, which surprised me when looking into this, he really focuses on clean water. He, he believes that every city in America should have access to clean water. So that obviously is a very good thing and quite a pro-environmental move on his part or belief on his part, which surprised me. The negatives of job creation are 
pretty much the the age-old argument one of the age-old arguments of republicans is isn't it big government doesn't it go against every every ounce of what republicans and more right-wing economists believe in and the other thing links to a lot of what I'm going to look at today, which is, is it going to damage the global economy? He said that this is American investment in public works. It's American jobs to create um, American infrastructure. So that's potentially an issue there. The second factor is here is immigration. And predominantly, I'm going to focus on his uh, insistence on building a wall on the US-Mexico border. Um, there's also the travel ban on the Muslim countries, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to cover that in any great depth here. So the wall, um, he's issued since becoming the president, he's issued two executive orders. The first is to, quote, build a contiguous physical wall or other similarly secure, contiguous and impassable physical barrier. So that's his intention. Number two, hire 10,000 more immigration officers, revoke federal grant money from, quote, sanctuary cities, which refuse to deport undocumented immigrants. And as of this morning, 13th of July, uh, he has tweeted that $1.6 billion has been allocated by the House Appropriations Committee. So it looks as if that is going to go ahead. The problems that I could see with this particular policy are fivefold. So the first is that the border is very um, windy. It does not follow a straight path. It's very twisty and some of it is actually in a river. There's sand dunes, there's mountains. So geographical factors there. Second, the cost. So as I say, 1.6 billion has just been allocated. Trump says it's going to cost between 8 and 12 billion. However, other estimates range from about 20 billion to 70 billion dollars. Third, the land doesn't actually belong to the US government. 66% of the land that's going to be used for the wall does not belong to the US government. Fourth, it needs patrolling constantly. 5,000 um, border patrol guards are needed. However, the budget will only stretch currently to around 500. Disparity there. Number five, and this really, from a sort of economic, social, humanitarian point of view, is the biggest one. These border towns really rely upon each other. There's US factories um, in, in Mexico with Mexican workers, cheaper labor. Um, these, these factories um, in places like Juarez and Chihuahua um, in particular, you know, they are dependent upon each other, these, these Mexican towns and these American towns on the border. To, to cut them off from each other would be problematic in the long run. So the third issue is foreign policy. Um, now, as I've said already, he has talked constantly, consistently about all his policies being America first. However, many would argue already that he's not actually sticking to that. He's bombed the Syrian airbase. He dropped the mother of all bombs, the Moab on ISIS uh, tunnel networks in Afghanistan. Um, and on NATO, 
once saying that it was obsolete, he now professes his support for it. And with North Korea as well, he is getting involved. He is saying that there are going to be severe consequences for their testing of um, a ballistic missile. Where he has been more consistent is with his views on international trade. So he's already withdrawn from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, um, and he said that he may reopen negotiations on NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, whether or not he'll actually be able to do that remains to be seen, but that's what he's claiming at the moment. So he also signed the Buy American, Hire American Executive Order, um, and he has also withdrawn from the Paris um, Climate Change Agreement. So he is in some ways sticking to his guns on things like that. Um, my only my only concern there as a, a history teacher, as a student of history, as somebody who, who's interested actually in particular in American history, it, it feels a bit, I've already made the, uh, the comparison to the New Deal, it feels a bit like America in the 1920s, cutting themselves off economically, socially, and this can lead to all sorts of problems. And in, in 1929, it led, in some ways, isolationism can be blamed for the Wall Street crash and the depression that followed. If it weren't for the tariffs uh, and the, you know, the overproduction within America, the Wall Street crash may not have happened. Coming back to the climate change agreement, um, the president is suggesting that it will cost America $3 trillion and 6.5 million jobs. That is his claim. He believes that the only way to prevent that from happening is to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. He also claims um, or promises to end the war on coal, while also, though, supporting clean air and water and also wanting to slash the Environmental Protection Agency funding and reverse Obama's restrictions on greenhouse gas emissions. Again, very unclear exactly what his view is. From what I've seen in the past, I think that he is pretty much a climate change denier. He obviously sees the link between pollution and you know bad air and, and, and bad water. However, he's, he's willing to overlook that if jobs are at stake and if more jobs can be produced by, by burning coal or digging coal uh, or burning gas, then he seems willing to do that. Moving now on to the, the clip at the start and generally what has um, been a, a, a big part of Trump's presidency so far is the idea of fake news. Now Trump has actually been, he's been laughed at, he's been vilified even, um, and the idea of fake news has become a, a meme within itself. Uh, and just yesterday, Trump, still on this, on this bandwagon, said, quote, remember, when you hear the words sources say from fake media, Oftentimes, those sources do not exist, end quote. He clearly is still quite upset by a lot of the things that are said 
about him in the media. Um, it's something that that I do find interesting. I think it does it builds into this this division. Um, the idea that it is produced by sources looking for clicks, sources uh, attempting to push their own agenda. Um, and I was reading something earlier from a guy called Jeff Green, who's the CEO of a company called Trade Desk, and he says, quote, it affects both the right and the left. It affects the educated and the un uneducated. So the stereotypes of it being simply right-wing and simply uneducated are simply not true. I think that's interesting. I think both those on the left and the right would claim that it is, you know, they're, they're making the fake news. No, it's it's you, it's not us. And I think as, a, as an English person, I, I see that with the BBC. Um, I see people saying, oh, well, the BBC are, you know, anti anti the left no they're not they're anti-right and actually who know who knows what they are maybe they are actually somewhere in the middle um but you have this issue where people i think are buying into it more no matter what it is people are buying into it more so on the left um people who consume fake news are apparently 34 times more likely than the general population of being a college graduate. So on the left, it's actually the more educated on the whole who who buy into it, who consume it. And on the right, as far as it goes, 18 times more likely, people are 18 times more likely to be in the top 20% of income earners. So again, that throws up an issue of why is it that there are generally people with more money buying into this, consuming this, this news that is made up without even thinking about it? So it would seem that often more money and more education can lead you to seeking out stories which fit your own confirmation bias, things that you want to buy into. This idea that people like to share information which makes them feel good without actually doing any research on it, without looking into it. That is an issue. So is Trump absolutely wrong on this? Maybe not. The final thing really before I come to some sort of conclusion about my views on Trump and whether he is a madman or a messiah, is he going to bring about the end of the world or... A new dawn um, is to just discuss, you know, whether he's going to make it through the next four years. There are, or there has been talk of impeachment since basically he uh, he came into office. Um, today, uh, a Democrat, Brad Sherman, has um, actually basically filed for impeachment. He's he's started that process off. Whether or not that actually goes through, I very much doubt. Uh, with the Republicans still. Um, having the majority. Um, his, his claim is that Trump has, quote, acted in a manner subversive of constitutional government. And he also claims, quote, obstruction of justice. So that's what he is claiming. Um, the other factor that is, is being discussed is this idea of 
um, emolument, um, for, foreign emolument clause. So basically, an emolument, and I had to look this up, I have to be honest, um, is a, a, so an emolument is a salary, a fee, or a profit. Um, and this, this clause says, quote, no person holding any office uh, of profit or trust under the United States shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. Now, the question, obviously, here is do Trump's business dealings break this clause? Do they break it by the very letter or just in, in spirit, if you will? It's, it's a difficult argument. Um, I think that he, he has tried to say the right things on this, but whether he's actually acted uh, in, in the right way to ensure that this doesn't become an issue for him will remain to be seen. It, it may come up later um, that he has not acted correctly on that. Uh, and the most recent sort of issue, obviously, is, is with the FBI, Russia, James Comey, the firing of, of Comey, um, and Donald Trump Jr. Uh, and I think that this is, is a whole web, a whole web that also um, goes as far as including um, you know, other, other members of, of Trump's family, including his son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner. So Donald Trump Jr., clearly, from the fact he's released his emails, clearly had some part to play in something to do with Russia prior to the election still not entirely clear what that is. Trump has said uh, yesterday or today uh, on Twitter, been loving Trump's Twitter at the moment, says, quote, my son Donald did a good job last night. He was open, transparent and innocent. This is the greatest witch hunt in political history. Sad, end quote. Pretty, pretty standard fare there from, from Trump, um, trying to defend his own position uh, and that of his son. Now, on the other hand, we have someone uh, like Travis Culver uh, saying, quote, whether they're stupid, criminal or criminally stupid, they shouldn't be running our government. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. Is it incompetence? Is it criminality? Is it an aspect of both? Again, it, it will remain to be seen. And I'm, I'm sure that at some stage there will be there will be a full in investigation into this. Okay, Whether it leads to impeachment or not, I don't know. However, I do think that there will be an investigation into it. So just before finishing off and concluding today, uh, I had a quick chat to one of my students, one of my Year 12 students, and he's... Uh, He's a bright lad, um, and we've had some good debates over the course of the year. Um, as a as an Englishman from Yorkshire, he um, he has some more right leaning views. Um, he he has professed um, admiration for uh, the UK Independence Party and Nigel Farage. Um, he would definitely more side with the Conservatives than he would Labour, and he has also said before. The election that he thinks that you know 
Hillary's a crook and all that, and that um, Trump should be president. So I asked him, you know, what are we on now, six months on, how, how good a job he, he thought that Trump had done. And this is what he said. Uh, he said it's not, as, not half as good as I thought he'd be. Um, and that he wanted and expected some controversy, some small scale controversy at least. Um, he expected America to, you know, completely fall apart. He expected rioting and all that sort of stuff. However, people seem to have just got on with it. Um, he said about the FBI uh, and the Russia links to be, quote, a load of bollocks. Um, he believes the Russia evidence has been planted. Um, however, he also believes that leaving Trump leaving and America leaving the Paris Accords, uh, Paris Climate Agreement was a mistake, um, as they are removing themselves from the from the global stage um, as being one of one of only the sorry the only one of I think it's 195 countries uh, to actually leave. Um, so he also says he he wasn't he, he's not presidential. He's manipulating his position. He's not made for politics. However, in some ways, he, he thinks that it shows the future of politics. Um, you know, he says that he thought that Trump was one in a million, uh, or at least that's what he thought. However, you know, there's ridiculous conversations now about The Rock versus Drake in 2020. Um, and he, <laughs> maybe he likes a bit of a conspiracy theory, believes that there's a possibility of him being assassinated in the end. So that's what he believed. So what do I believe? Well, I believe that Democrats hate him because he's a straight-talking, non-politically correct, not afraid to insult people sort of president. He's a loose cannon in Democrats' eyes. On the other hand, the Republicans love him for the exact same reasons. He's straight-talking. He's not PC. He's not afraid to upset people. He's not afraid to upset or insult people. He shoots from the hip. What a guy! So it's that 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 creates the division. It's the very same characteristics that make Trump such a very divisive figure. Because it depends what you what you consider to be good, what you consider to be uh, good policies, a good um, way of dealing with things. Obviously, lots of people on the right, particularly in America, are sick of this this non uh, sorry this politically correct um, world that we live in. And in fact, again, trolling through Twitter, found accounts you know saying I support POTUS and um, what is it Make America Great Again MAGA hashtag MAGA, um, and they're saying I'm not PC, like that's a badge of honour for them. So I think that that is part of it. Overall, though, my conclusion is this. Trump was elected. He didn't win the popular vote and Russia were clearly involved in some way, but he did win. The extent of involvement from Russia should and will be further investigated. But there's de decisive proof. Sorry, until there's decisive proof, he needs to be allowed to lead. Do I personally like the man? Of course not. He's a misogynist, self-entitled billionaire and a blowhard. Do I think that as a democratically elected president he should be allowed to rule without being constantly berated? 
Yeah, I do. As yet, he's not made any particularly disastrous decisions, perhaps aside from pulling out of the Paris climate deal. The attacks on the left from individuals and media need to focus on policy, not personality, in my opinion. We know his relationship with his wife is not as fairy tale as the Obamas. So what? We know that he has an odd crush on his daughter. Is it wrong? Yes. Is it grounds for impeachment? No. Does he play too much golf? Probably. But until the point we can prove unequivocally that his playing golf affects his ability to carry out the duty of his office, the world needs to get over it. And on the right, people need to calm down. Abuse, threats, insidious, insidious vitriol is the name of the game for many trumpeters. Yep, I get it. Your man is being unfairly targeted and should be given a chance. But that doesn't give you the right to aggressively attack anyone who stands in your way. In part, this is Trump's fault. He is responsible. Obama faced a lot of abuse, often actually from Trump, but he never rose to it. Therefore, it went mostly under the radar. By getting so angry about it, Trump supporters draw more attention to it. At the end of the day, is it all a ploy though? Is it just part of the brand, the Trump brand? Trump is capable and able to wrap up the news cycle with just one tweet. He does it consistently. Politics in America, to me, seems to have become more about not just celebrity, but a celebrity and the gossip surrounding him. The narrative of Trump versus the world works for one person above all, Donald J. Trump. Thanks for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed what I've got to say. If you do, then please write in, or even if you don't, actually. Uh, my email is dogmaanddivision at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at dogmapodcast. Thank you. <laughs>